0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Once again, I want to welcome you to Believer's Church. I'm so excited you're here. We're going to deal with a subject today that every one of us in this room have to deal with, some of us like myself more so than others. And uh, I remember years ago, just years and years ago, last month, no, um, that I was... uh, I was a, uh, out of state, I'm in a minister's conference, and uh, I went out afterwards with about five, six guys, and we're sitting, having coffee, talking. Some of them were famous guys that you would probably recognize some of their names, and we're just sitting there talking, and this guy to my right had this suit on, and the stitching of the suit was really bugging me. Mean, you can see it on the picture, but, but the stitching was pronounced, and it was a little bit crooked, and, and I kept looking at the suit, and I'm having these thoughts in my mind. That's the ugliest suit I've ever seen in my life. And uh, that guy needs to let his wife buy his suits, things like that. And I'm sitting there with a Joseph A. Banks suit, you know, two for $300, thinking my suit looks so much better than his. And and I'm just having all these thoughts and I'm ready to ask him. I'm gonna be really nice about it, but I'm gonna say, hey, I never saw stitches like that. And just as I'm ready to ask that question, uh, the guy across the table looks at him and says, I love your suit. Where did you have it made? And I'm like, made? Do people custom make suits anymore, and and so then the guy next to me says, "I had it custom made in Dallas," and 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 I'm thinking, I can't believe that you paid money to have that made. He went on to say, it cost me thirty five hundred dollars, and I'm like, whoa! And so then I'm ready to ask him about the stitches because now I'm really curious. Why are they not straight? And and the guy across the table he says, "Yeah, I noticed." Uh, and knew, knew that was custom-made because of the stitches. And, and so I said, how, how did you know that? Well, tell me about these stitches. And he said, well, he said, you know, a normal suit is made with a sewing machine, so they're perfect stitches. He said, when you hand-stitch by hand, that's not perfect. And it's a status symbol to have. And I'm sitting there thinking how dumb I am and how unaware I am. But since I had a critical spirit, I was just able to, to switch my criticism over to another area. And so now I have thoughts going on I can't believe you spent $300 or $3,500 for a suit. How can you do that? And I'm just having all these negative thoughts. And we're going to talk about criticism today. And I've had to deal with it. And I, I know I've grown in it. And I know I'm continuing to grow in it. But this series, if you weren't here last week, this is a new series. Its title is, He Said What? And it's just about these sayings that Jesus shared with us that when you first hear them, you can't even believe they're true or they shock you. And we're going to look at one today that we all need to understand. And it can be quite shocking if you don't understand it first time you hear it. And here's what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. He said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And boy, when you first hear this, to me, it shocked me, but I didn't fully understand it. And I want to say up front, we're going to talk about what it means to judge today. And it, and it is all about us being critical. And it goes further than that. But there are some things we're called to judge. You know, uh, the Bible says we should rightly divide the Bible, the scriptures. And uh, you and I should judge messages that we hear. It's okay to judge, and not, not in a critical way, but in a way where we examine, we make decisions, whether it's right or wrong. The Bible teaches us to judge fruit, and that's okay to do, not in this way, but it's okay to discern and judge people's fruit. The Bible tells us to judge prophets and prophecy, so there are things we're allowed to judge, but not in the way that this is talking, and we'll talk about what it means to judge, and it goes back to the critical spirit in just a moment, but I want to deal with the latter part of the first verse and then second verse, and it just says, you too will be judged if you judged, and then Verse two, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And we talked about measure last week for another reason. And it's just referring to the amount of judgment, how much you put out there, it's gonna grow and it's gonna come back to us. And the Bible teaches us a principle. Many of us know about it. Some of you, you might hear about it for the first time today, but it's called seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping. And the idea is, what we sow literally comes back to us. You know, in Luke 6, verse 38, the verses above verse 38, Jesus talked about forgiving, and if we forgive, we'll be forgiven, and talked about judgment there. And, and then in Luke 6, 38, he said, give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And, and this part's important. Through the hands of men, it will be given back to you. And what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that if we do something, if we sow something, it literally grows and comes back at us through people. Galatians 6 talks about this very famous verse, verse 7, and it just simply says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And this chapter is really cool, and we're not going to take time to teach the doctrine of this chapter, but I just want you to see the principle. The principle is this, what we plant grows And comes back at us. That's what we want to understand. That's what Jesus is saying, judge not lest ye be judged for the measure you measure out will come back to you. This is really important for you and I to understand. So here's my thought that I want you to walk out today remembering. It's pretty cool. It's pretty easy to remember. It just goes like this. What we give is what we get. It's not just talking, we're not talking about money today. We're talking about judging and forgiveness and all those things. And the Bible literally teaches that what we give is what we get. And can we all agree we live in a negative world with negative people? So we're going to be criticized anyway if, we, if, we're, if we're nice to people. But uh, I don't know about you. I don't want any extra harvest of judgment coming at me. I don't need any extra negative of anything coming at me. So as I grew over the years and I began to understand this, one of the thoughts that came to me was, hey, if this is true, why not? sow some good things, because I, I'd love to have those good things come back at me and come to me. And here's one of the coolest scriptures in the Bible, and I love this scripture. It's James 2.13. It reads like this, for there will be no mercy for those who have shown no mercy, but if you have been merciful, then God, God's mercy towards you will win out over his judgment against you. I like this verse. So my thought is, why not be a person that sows mercy? Because then when I stand to be judged, that mercy is going to win out over the judgment, and all that mercy I sowed is going to come back, plus people are going to be merciful with me and for me, and I like that. So I want to make sure you understand what it means to be merciful. This is important. It's not talking about you and I overlooking terrible sin and turning our head to something that we need to confront and deal with. Of course, we would confront and deal with it mercifully, and a story comes to mind. There's a pastor I know, many states away. This happened many years ago. But uh, he was pastor like me. His son was the student pastor. His son was in his 30s. His son was married, had kids. And his son ended up having an affair with one of the students, somebody, a girl under 18. And so he broke a law, first of all, but then, of course, he broke godly laws and godly principles. And when the pastor found out about it, he covered it up. He didn't even tell his board and he loved his son. He didn't want his son to be in trouble. Now, there's no other way to slice this if it's your son or not your son. When somebody does that on a church staff, you have to immediately fire them. You cannot keep them. You have to fire them. You can be merciful to them after you fire them and help them out and help them walk through the process. There's no way you, you can do anything but that. He hit it, and uh, it came out. Those things always come out. And he ended up trying... To show mercy the wrong way after it came out, and he lost his ministry, his church, everything. Everything fell apart. My heart breaks for him. But what could he have done, whether it was a son or not? He, he said, You have to step down. We have to get you into a process of restoration. But mercy could have said, You know what? Come live with us. You know, if you're going to go to jail for what you did, um, you know, we'll take care of your kids and we'll take care of your wife and we'll help you in any way we can. So mercy is important, but there's some things you have to deal with. So I'm not telling you don't deal with the obvious, but how cool would it be if we came to the place and we said, you know what, I'm going to sow kindness, I'm going to sow love, I'm going to sow mercy, because that stuff's growing anyway and coming back at me. And just ask yourself, what do you want to live in next year? What do you want to live in two years from now? I I surely don't want to live in judgment, that critical spirit. So let's help us understand today's saying, judge not. Let's go back to our text. Verse 1 says this, do not judge or you will be judged. So what does it mean to judge? Here's the definition of the Greek word. It just means to criticize another while assuming their motive and their future, or I could have said their outcome. Uh, judging or criticizing another while assuming their motive and their future. So obviously when I sat at that table, I, I had a deal. It, I had, God had to really work with me because of the critical spirit or attitude that I had, and here's what I noticed. If you're a detail person, if you notice details, you're going to have to deal with being critical more than someone that doesn't notice details, and all, all the detailed people in the room said, amen, 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 and uh, I I always kind of envy, and, you know, I, I always want to be like the person that doesn't notice things, and uh, they're not detailed. They just walk through life with a smile. They're going to live way longer than I do, and, uh, and I'm walking through life having to deal with all the details, being out of line, you know, and trying not to be critical, and I, one of the things I thank my wife for is, uh, you know, our, our whole marriage, just pointing out how critical I was in a nice way, and she's helped me grow, because she just would point out to me, she says, you realize what you're doing? I'm like, no, no, I'm okay, I can say that. No, that's critical, Joe. And it's like I had to learn. And, and so this, this can come out in different ways. You're, you're assuming someone's motives. You're assuming their, their future, their outcome. And I wrote down a couple thoughts. This is how it's come out of, out of me in the years. And I'd say things like, they don't love God if they can do that. <laughs> There's no way they love God. You can't do that and actually love God. Well, how do I know whether they love God or not? you know, may, maybe, they, maybe there's another reason that's happening, <laughs> even that guy that bought that suit for 3500 maybe someone bought it for him and paid it, I, I don't know, but I, I just immediately criticized him, uh, but you could also say something like this, they're bad to the core, well they may be bad, but how do you know their core is bad, I mean, uh, you don't know <laughs> for sure, you don't know that, and it, it's so. So, is it okay to notice there's bad fruit? Yeah, you can notice bad fruit, or you could say something like this: "They'll never get it. They don't have what it takes." And and that's where you're being critical, and you're assuming their motives and their future slash outcome. And that's what Jesus is saying: Don't do. Can we all agree? Especially if you're detailed, that's tempting to do. But but he's saying don't do it. Why? Here's our motivation: Because it's going to grow and come back into your life. And that's why we want to avoid doing that type of thing. So I, I got to researching this, and my goal is always to make this as easy as I can to understand. And I found three reasons why you and I cannot judge people. There's three major ones that I, that I saw. Here's reason number one. We don't have the authority to judge others. It, it, it's very important. Listen to Romans 14:4. 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. So what God's saying is, I own all the Christians. They're my kids. They're not your kids, Joe. And Joe, you don't have any, reason, any authority to judge them. They don't belong to you. Are you sure, Lord? I, I sure think I could do a better job than you. No, no, you can't. Hey, hey, listen, listen. The latter part makes me excited because this is how God looks at all of us. Listen to what it says. And they will stand. I like that. And he says for the Lord is able to make them stand. Aren't you glad that when God looks at you, like, that's incredible, guys. Woo. He looks at us and he, you know, everybody else sees, ah, they're never gonna make it. Oh, they did, they fell, they fell and made that mistake 10 times and, and God's looking deep inside of us and he's saying, I know what I put in them. They're gonna stand. They're gonna stand. They will stand. And I like the fact God looks like that. And you know what God's trying to do in every one of us? He's trying to cause us to become more Christ-like and he wants us to begin to look at people the way he looks at people. So number one, we don't have the authority. Here's, here's number two, uh, we aren't capable of judging others. This is something Paul wrote, and it's fascinating. Listen to what he said, 1 Corinthians 4, 3. I care very little if I'm criticized by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. Now, all of us should take inventory. All of us should, you know, look at our lives and discern, you know, what can I do better? But he's talking about judging and verse four says this, "My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me." It's really Im- incredible. This is incredible. Listen to what he says. "My conscience is clear." That means that he's saying, "I feel I'm doing everything just right." He, f- he says, "I feel like I'm not missing it, not sinning in any area." But he says, "My conscience is clear, but then this statement's why I highlighted it but that does not make me innocent. Here's what he's saying. I want to translate it, help you understand it. Every one of us in this room have what I call blind spots, and the reason they're called blind spots is because we don't see them. Now, people that know us might see them, but we don't see them, and Paul had come to a place in his Christian walk, and his maturity, where he said, you know what? I might think I'm doing right in every area, but there's coming a day I might have a blind spot where God's going to open up my eyes, and I'm going to realize I'm missing it in this area. I need to grow in this area. So think about what he's saying. He's saying I don't even have the ability to judge my own heart. How am I going to judge your heart? We can examine our heart, make sure it's right, all that stuff, but we're going to have blind spots and we, we just don't, we don't know. I think about how long I've been a Christian and I think about how God's opened my eyes up you know, each year, so to speak, and if he would have shown me everything wrong with me at the beginning. I would have literally died of heart failure, um, but I'm thankful he just shows me a little bit at a time, and, and then he says, work on that, Joe, and then we'll take you up to the next one. Here's point number three. I think this is important, too. Only God can judge a heart. Listen to 1 Corinthians 4, 5, the next verse. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. This is a judgment seat of Christ. He says, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness, and will expose the motives of the heart at that time, each will receive their praise from God. So this isn't about whether you get to go to heaven. This is about awards. This is about well done, Joe. And listen, listen to this verse again. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. And Paul just said, sometimes we don't even know we have a bad motive, but, but we do. And so I might stand before the judgment seat of Christ and Jesus might look at me and say, Joe, you did a great job. With believers in this area or that area, but I can't give you an award. Here's why your motive was wrong. You did it out of competition. You just wanted to be better than everybody else, and you did it for the wrong reason. And I might be standing there saying, Really, Lord? I, I, I didn't know that. He's saying, Yeah, he says, your motives were wrong. And so I get to go to heaven, but I might not receive a reward. That's why we want to stay tender before the Lord and make sure our hearts are pure before the Lord. But He's the one. And that's why one of my prayers is, Lord, expose anything in me that's not right. Just expose it, Lord. Because I do know I have a problem with competitiveness. That's why I don't golf. And uh, I took golfing lessons, and then I golfed for two years. This is many years ago. And when I found out I can't win, never, ever. I just, I just said, this game, I can't play it, I, I'd like to play it, but I have to win about 90% of the time to play something, and so it's like, <laughs> I, I, I can't play this game, and so I just play games I can win, and, uh, and that's it. <laughs> I, was, I was big big on Candy Crush, and uh, I got to like level 280, and I couldn't beat it, and I will not pay, I won't use my money or anything, won't get a friend's help, I got to do it on my own, because I'm competitive. And and after about three months of never getting past that level, I just deleted it from my my iPad. I said, I'll never play you again, I can't beat you. That's it, goodbye. (laughs) Now, um, you and I aren't capable, we're not capable of judging a heart. Now, let's go back and let's ask ourselves why people judge others. This this is gonna help us all. Matthew 7, three and four. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eyes when you have a log in your own? (laughs) we judge because we have logs. Uh, Verse 4 says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? So we judge because logs are in our eyes. And and probably most of us in this room have had something get in our eye at one time or another. I remember I was working in a machine shop and something got in my eye, something flew, some piece of metal. And it's just the most awful, painful thing I know what it's like now to have a baby, ladies. It was so painful. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I, just kidding. I, I know that's more painful. Just kidding. But uh, <laughs> it really hurt. And uh, I, I had to <laughs> if if men had babies, no family would have more than one. I guarantee you. Because uh, the, the thought that I have to go through that again, no thank you. And, and so um, I had to go to a doctor. But the thing that it did is it, it instantly blurred my vision and I couldn't see out of that eye. Now think about a log, you know, and he's speaking spiritually, but what Jesus is saying is we can be blinded by logs, and here's the solution. He just said this, Matthew 7, 5, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes, and we'll talk about that last part, but this is exciting to me. We can get rid of our logs, so that's awesome, and I want to just talk to you about getting rid of logs in our eyes because we're critical because of logs and I I found again I'm not looking for three this week but I found three major logs that I've had every one of in my eyes so I've had every single one of these lodged in my eyes and I'll I'll let you know that as we go through the the second one we're going to look at every one of you in the future will have that log try to lodge in your eye and we'll talk about that but here's log number one it's insecurity and uh Insecurity will make you critical, and insecurity says people are better than me. And when you're insecure and you're around people, uh, even if maybe you're doing something as good or better, you're always going to think because of that insecurity, they're better than me. And when you think people are better than you and you have that insecurity happening inside of you, what do you do? Criticizing them makes you feel better about yourself. And I remember I had this mentor, and he used to say something that really helped me. He used to say, uh, your candle won't glow any brighter by blowing someone else's out. And, and when you're insecure, what you're trying to do is, <laughs> you're trying to blow every other candle out around you because you don't feel good about yourself. So for, for all of us in this room, young people, students, every single one of us, we have to deal with this thing called insecurity in our lives. I remember when the church was like maybe three years old and, and I had some insecurity. I mean, I really had to deal with it. And so if someone else brought another church's name up to me, I would instantly say something negative about that church. Whew. I'm going to blow their candle out, you know. So I'd have to say, well, they don't believe the right way and we believe this way and they don't do this right. And, and it was just, why was I critical? Because of my insecurity. So I had to find out, how do I get to a place where I don't have any insecurity in me? And I found out it all comes from me understanding that God made me unique and I'm important. Listen to this scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now, here is what I'm trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate, and, and this is why I wrote this down, and a necessary part of it. God says every one of us is necessary. Every one of us is significant. Every one of us is important. And I had to come to a place in my life where all that matters is I found out what God created me to do, and I just do what God's created me to do. And that's it. You know, there was a season in my life years ago where where I said, God, why Joel Osteen? I could have smiled even better than him. You know, (laughs) why'd you pick him? Uh, you know, I could do that, Lord, and, and it's all out of insecurity that, that we deal with those types of things, so here's what set me free, this is a book that set me free, if you deal with any insecurity, it will change your life, it's called The Search for Significance, this book's really cool, they, all have, they also have workbooks, and I went through the workbook, and man, did it change my life, because it, it enabled me to realize I am significant, and we need to know that. I think all of us could grow with this book. So, and they, guys, they, prop, they have audio books too, so you can, you can hear it on audio. Let, let's, talk about, let's talk about log two. And this is the one all of us will deal with. It's offense. And all of us will be offended in the future. And offense says, people hurt me. <laughs> and man, when people hurt us, it's so easy to lash back and be critical. And you and I have to deal with this thing called forgiveness, and that's not always easy to do, especially if someone close to us is the one that hurt us. It really is difficult to do, and if we don't deal with offense, it turns into something so bad, it's going to spill over on all everybody. Listen to Hebrews twelve fifteen. Look 15. Look after each other so that not one of you will fail to find God's best blessing. See, see the heart of God? I'm looking out for you so that I can help you find his best blessings for your life. He says, watch out that no bitterness takes root. That's offense that you don't deal with. No bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. So it's gonna hurt you, it's gonna hurt others. And I found out over the years, I've had people hurt me. And uh, whether they were right or wrong, it hurt. Can we all agree it hurt? And, uh, And so if it hurts and you don't deal with it, then it's gonna keep coming at you and growing and it's going to cause you to become more and more critical. And I shared this last week for another reason, but sometimes when someone close hurts you, it's the most difficult people to forgive. And I've found myself at different stages in my life when I've been hurt, I found myself forgiving the same person a couple times a day, every day for months, (laughs) because I just, I forgive them one day, and the next day, can't stand them, and then then I'd have to forgive them again, and and sometimes right after, an hour later, you know, and and so I say, Lord, I'm going to just be obedient and do the Word of God like we talked last week, and, and forgive, but forgiveness frees you. Now, I had to grow in the ability to forgive, and when I have to grow, I just look for people that understand things better than I do, and here's the best book I've ever read on forgiveness. It's called Forgive and Forget, and I love the subtitle. Healing the hurts we don't deserve. And isn't that the most difficult things to forgive? Like, how could you do that to me? You, you're supposed to be nice to me. We're supposed to be buddies, and you did that. This book will change your life. And uh, the author is incredible. I love his quotes, I love all his other books. So, a great book if you're dealing with a problem forgiving. And let's talk about log three. Log three is pride. And pride says people are inferior to me. And it's a sister to uh, insecurity. Sometimes it's hard to tell which one it is. They're they're, they're related. And this is a problem I had really, really bad uh, in my young days. And in my 20s and in my 30s, I had to deal with pride. And I felt like I can do this better than everybody else. I felt like I knew everything. And thank God for life, because you know what life does? Life pumbles us. (laughs) And, 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 and we're humbled as we're humbled, And, uh, and we, just, we, we just come to a place where we realize, I'm not the greatest thing that, uh, you know, that God created. I have a lot of flaws myself. And it took God a while to knock that and wring that out of me. Here's an incredible scripture, 1 Corinthians 8.1. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. Listen to verse two. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. And I was like that in my younger days, and now I just try to stay away from that. And 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 now, if you ask me a question, what do you think about this? What about this? You'll hear me saying, you hear me say it when I teach, man. Uh, this is what I believe, and you know I think I'm right. And if God ever shows me I'm wrong, I'll ch- change. I'll turn on a dime. Uh, God doesn't want us to be haughty, and if you're you're full of pride, you'll be critical of everybody. You'll just criticize every single thing you see. So God says, pull that log out. Now, a resource that will help you pull the pride log out, and, and, and I realize maybe one of you in this room, or they were probably in first service, um, m- maybe one of you deals with what this book's about, but this book does hit the issue of pride, and here's a book I would recommend, Why It Is Always About You, Why Is It Always About You, and, and I like the subtitle, The Seven Deadly Sins of Narcissism and and again, I don't think hardly anybody in here has that problem, but this book will change your life because it helps you begin to realize how close pride is connected to the narcissistic person, the person that thinks they're the greatest thing in all the world, and so what did Jesus say? He said, pull these three logs out, and listen to this verse again. Um, This is Matthew 7, 5. He says, hypocrite, First, get rid of the log in your own eye. So he says, get rid of offense, get get rid of insecurity, get rid of pride. That's a process, we're all growing, it's gonna take time. But then he says this, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. And as we grow, we're gonna notice some of the same things in people. But then, as you grow and you get rid of these logs, your heart is, I wanna help them grow And I want to help them become free. And a lot of times you'll never even mention what you see. You'll pray for them. But then you'll speak life over them. And you'll have this attitude like God did. They can stand and they will stand and they will grow. And they're going to grow and they're going to overcome it. So all of a sudden you're looking at everybody with a different set of glasses. And this is what really helped me in the area of pride, in the area of insecurity, in the area of forgiveness uh, because of offense, is God opened up my eyes one day and he helped me see something. And this is what I saw. At the time I had four kids. They were all all born. And God spoke this to my heart. He said, if you look at every person you run into as if they're your kids, you'll treat them a lot differently. How many of us really believe in our kids? And how many of us see the best in our kids? And so I came to the place where I said, this is how I'm going to look at people as if they're my own kids. And I look at my kids with very positive glasses. I can see if they have flaws and and and, and I will, you know, help them grow and all that, but I believe in them. And God's saying to us, when you get rid of these logs, you're gonna believe in people and you're gonna be able to help people with these little specks. Pull their specks out and help them grow. Hey guys, I trust I helped you understand something. I know God's speaking to all our hearts today. So let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Let's take a moment in prayer. Lord I did my best to teach the scriptures to an incredible group of people. And Lord, here's my prayer for all of us in this room. Lord, I ask you to grow us in this area. As we walk through our week, show us, show us if any logs show up, show us the logs so we can pull them out, Lord. And I thank you for helping to grow each and every one of us in this room. Lord, may we not be judgmental. Lord, we thank you that What we give is what we get, and we make a decision today. We're going to sow mercy, love, and kindness. We're going to be spec puller-outers instead of criticizers, and I thank you for helping us grow in that area in our life, every single one of us. Now, let's stay in that attitude of prayer, guys. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not sure of my forever, my eternity, I want to just talk to you for a moment. I'm not asking you to join our church or religion. I'm not asking you if you're, you're a member of a Christian church or you grew up in church or if you were water baptized, all great things. Here's what I'm asking you. Can you remember a day in your life when you made it real between you and Jesus, when, when, when you connected with Jesus and you believed and you said with your mouth, Jesus, I believe in you, I make a decision to follow you. That's what I mean when I say made it real. All of us have to see him for who he is, the savior of the world, and, and from our hearts, believe in him and accept him and make a decision to follow him that's when my life changed at 19. And if you're here, you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready today. I believe Jesus is the Savior. I believe he died for my sins. And I'm ready to pray, accept him, and make a decision to follow him, forsake everything, make him the number one priority in my life. If you're here and you say, that's me, would you pray with me right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And just say this and mean it from your heart. Everyone else in the room, will help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I re- I repent for all my sins. And this day I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me. That God raised you from the dead. I receive you as my savior today and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC podcast.